unlock exclusive content and access to our podcast while supporting our show. How is that possible? Become a Narratives of Purpose patron at patreon.com forward slash NOP podcast. Welcome to a new episode of Narratives of Purpose, a place for conversations with inspiring leaders that is all about amplifying social impact. I bring you unique stories of changemakers, stories of people who are contributing to make a difference in society. By showcasing these individual journeys, I would like to inspire you to take action. If you are tuning in for the first time, my name is Claire Morigande. I am your host on this podcast. In this fifth season, I am welcoming back previous guests to find out how their organizations have grown since they were first featured on Narratives of Purpose. In today's episode, I am catching up with Rihanna Spring. Rihanna is based in Switzerland. She is the founder and executive director of Spring Act, an organization connecting human rights and technology to empower people to take action and eliminate global social injustices. Their flagship project is called Sophia. It is the world's first chatbot empowering survivors of domestic violence. Please take a moment to rate and review our show wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help other listeners find narratives of purpose and further amplify the stories of change we bring on our show. And now, let's dive into another fascinating discussion with Rihanna. Our mission is to connect human rights and technology, and our vision is to empower people through innovative technologies to, to take action and help eliminate global social injustices. I truly believe we have all the resources in the world, uh, financial and information, to help every single person. We just need to connect them. So yeah, like I said, Sophia's the world's first chatbot for survivors of domestic violence, helping them gather potential evidence, assess their rights and learn about their options. And what Sophia does is she's a chatbot, which is an automate, it's um, a robot that is designed to have a conversation with a human. She is pre-programmed and the answers are pre-programmed so that she can't misunderstand anyone in this very delicate situation. Honestly, like funding is the biggest issue uh, we have because uh, we're so passionate about getting this technology out there that it's very hard. But honestly, that was the biggest challenge because I was so focused on providing this solution that I'm like, oh yeah, funding will come, you know, they'll see our amazing project uh, prototype and then they'll fund us. And then we thought we would get this funding and we didn't. And that was kind of, that was a little collapse um, for, for a day, collapse of the world. And then we got up back up and started fighting. But I'd also say dealing with the passion paradox is kind of You're so passionate, you just want to work nonstop, uh, but you need to like find some kind of well balance. I think we're definitely going towards um, digitalization of also human rights. Uh, the potential of technology in this field is limitless. Um, and I'm surprised, it's great for us that we're considered very innovative, great for us. I'm surprised. We're 2022, it shouldn't be innovative to use a chatbot to fight injustices, it shouldn't be. That was a short clip of my first interview with Rihanna over a year ago. She was featured in episode 37, which was published in July 2022. I encourage you to listen again to that conversation to hear about Rihanna's amazing journey and what led her to create Spring Act. Like every guest I talk to on the podcast, I have been following Rihanna and her team's work since we first spoke. 
I caught up with her a few weeks ago to learn more about how Spring Act has evolved in the past 18 months, but also to find out about her personal growth as a founder. Take a listen. So Rihanna, welcome back to Narratives of Purpose. It's great to have you again. And this time we're actually recording face-to-face. So I'm with you here in Bern. And last time we spoke, you were in Peru and I was in Switzerland. So how are you doing today? Hi, Claire. It's lovely to be back again. Thank you. It's an honor to, to be back on your great podcast. Um, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to talking to you. So um, before we start, Rihanna, can you please remind our listeners, what is Spring Act? Spring Act is an organization with the vision to connect human rights and technology to empower people to take action and help eliminate global social injustices. With Our flagship product is Sophia, which is the chatbot that empowers survivors of domestic violence to gather potential evidence and seek help wherever they are in the world. And as a reminder, ACT, so it's ACT, A-C-T. So some people say A-C-T, but it's ACT as in acting, taking action, and it stands for action, compassion, and technology. And the spring part, which it is my name, but it's the symbol of new beginnings. So that's why we we chose that. It's the symbol of new beginnings. And through that, take action with compassion through technology to make changes in our world. Oh, nice. Thanks for mentioning that because I always associated that with your name, basically, because Rihanna Spring and Spring Act. Yeah, we, we got the, we decided on Act. So that was very quick, very clear. And we just did an act obviously was taken. And so we didn't know what should we add to that. And my and the team was like, put spring out. That makes sense. And I was so against it because at that time I had a team. So if it was just me, I might have more easily chosen that name. But it's like, it's weird to take my name if we're a team. Until my mom came to me, it's like, Rihanna, don't be silly. You don't own the season. I'm like, well, fair enough. <laughs> that was the deciding moment. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense, makes sense. So last time we spoke, uh, as I mentioned, you were in Peru, you were launching Sophia, the chatbot there. Uh, that was a year and a half ago. And I'd like to know where is Sophia now today? In how many countries and how far have you come? I know you've won a number of prizes. I think I have made a note here. So when we spoke last time, you had won the Swiss Future Prize, that was 2022. But I see here like uh, MIT semifinalist 2022, Global Impact Award 2022, Innovation in Global Security Prize 2022 as well, uh, Social Innovation Prize 2023 by the European Investment Bank. And I believe this was the last one that you received just a couple of weeks ago in uh, Stockholm. Yeah, just a few weeks ago, yeah. That's a lot. And that speaks volume, obviously, to the product that you've developed and uh, how impactful it is. So one part of the question is, you know, where is Sophia today? In how many countries? How many people are you able to reach? And then second part of the question, give us a sense of what all these prizes mean, right? Is it like prize money? Does it help you develop even further? Just give us a sense about that. Yeah, I can't believe that was one and a half years ago. And I was in Peru. Yeah, we, we launched there actually which became quite a big event. We went and wanted a launch and we got the Swiss embassy in Peru as our partner. So we actually launched at the residence of the Swiss ambassador. And through that, of course, the guest list became quite prominent and the Minister for Women and Vulnerable Populations in Peru came with two vice ministers and ambassadors came and it was such an incredible event. We translated Sophie into the indigenous language as well, which is always very important to us when we launch somewhere. We always a partner with a local organization who knows the customs and laws and then always translate into the most important languages, either national or my, like the most important migrant languages as well. 
And I just remember holding the speech and, and kind of introducing Sophia and saying that we've also translated into Quechua, which is quite quite an end- endeavor. And audience broke into like spontaneous applause because it's just so important to, to include to include everyone. So that was a really, really special moment for us as well, especially because I worked with the foreign ministry in embassies around the world. So that was very special for me to come back um, on, on the stage there. So I think the biggest thing after that that happened last year was our partnership with, well, different organizations that we animated Sophia to make it more accessible to people that can't read or have difficulties reading. So you can now chat Sophia, not in all languages, but most of them at the moment, in video message. So you start chatting to Sophia and she asks, A, what language you want to speak in? And then secondly, do you want to receive your messages in in video? So we collaborated with uh, DID, which uses generative AI to animate. Um, and we partnered with Microsoft and the and UN Women to do that. And they wanted us to translate Sophia into the different UN languages. And so, so Sophia speaks English and the Swiss languages, except for Romance yet, that's going to come. And Quechua as well, and Spanish at that time. But then they wanted, with this collaboration, also all UN languages. Um, so that was Russian, Chinese, Mandarin, and um, Spanish she already spoke, English and French she already spoke. But because this is what I love about being a founder, because I'm because I'm the founder and the executive director, I get to then also make decisions. And I'm fed up with the UN not having African languages represented. And so I'm like, yeah, we'll, do, we'll do the UN languages, but also Swahili. And people are like, why Swahili? Because I've been learning Swahili for the last 500 days. Uh, I know 500 days because it's on Duolingo, so I'm like on streak. Uh, and people react so weirdly, like, why are you learning Swahili? I'm like, why wouldn't I be learning Swahili? It's spoken in 13 language, it's 13 countries by, or 14 even, by 200 million people. And it's just like, I just love the stage, the power that I have in and being a founder is bringing this awareness. I'm like, yeah, we'll do that, but we'll do that as well. And since then, we've also reacted to the the big crises that have happened in, in the last year. And so we've translated it into Ukrainian and also Farsi, Persian as well, which was actually quite a momentous decision as well, because ever since founding Spring Act and, and Sophia in that sense, we had to decide what, you know, kind of what ethnicity Sophia will have. We try to blend the continental ethnicity together and that just did not work <laughs> so i've been ever since founding really excited to expand her in in ethnicity but also have one sophia that's veiled because my my deputy director and my best friend she she's muslim with uh, with a veil and so i was just very proud and very excited to do this the moment that that came was when we translated into arabic that's the other UN language arabic was exactly the time of the iranian revolution so what do we do do we put Sophia uh, in a veil, sending the wrong message because we are definitely in favor of the Iranian revolution and, and women's rights movement. But if we don't, then we ignore a very large part of the Muslim population that is veiled. So that was a huge back and forth that I was not expecting. So what we decided to do in the end is just translate her into Farsi and have her not veiled and with her hair cut off. Yes, so that was last year. And then this year, well, started off also very differently, um, at the beginning of the year, I broke my leg um, in, in three places, which was, you know, when you, again, when you're the founder and, and, and an executive, it, it's not no longer a personal issue. It actually becomes a company issue. And so I was just gone very suddenly and uh, it was a very difficult time physically and also mentally. I don't know if you've ever broken your broken a bone like that severely. It's like 
you just lose control of your life, really. It's like all the plans that you had, you can't even, I couldn't even make myself, well, I could make myself a cup of tea, but I couldn't carry it because I was on crutches for three months. So that did a lot. Also internally in spring act, trying to kind of balance it. I tried to work, but that was actually made things worse. Um, so it all started a bit later the year for me. It actually started with a big bang of uh, going to Warsaw to to this congress and, and we were nominated when you were nominated. But I didn't know if I could go because of crutches and everything. It was all a lot. Um, I decided in the last minute, thank goodness, uh, because they paid for us to go and then put us up in this lovely hotel, which, you know, this is the last thing we do it for, what we do. But it's so nice to get that break for someone to pay for you and put you up in a lovely hotel. They upgraded me even there. And it was just what I needed. And also they flew in Jojo from Senegal and Simon from Malaysia as well. So we're all completely remote. So we actually got to spend time together as a team as well. So it, got, it gave us a lot more than than that and then we were in this congress with 600 other the change makers and then we won which was very unexpected because it's an eu prize it's not in the eu <laughs> so wow, we were really that's not amazing <laughs> so we were like it was such an emotional moment and and that was incredible gala you know with amazing like acts and everything as well surrounding it and it's so important to i mean one of our values we're a very value-based organization which includes you know compassion collaboration inclusivity important values and the seventh value in that sense is fun because it's so important we look at our day-to-day is we look at the worst of humanity in the eye um, and we try and change that and try and empower people to take action to change that and so having fun finding the like light moments in that is so important and that's some advice i could give to other founders is exactly that you know find find the light moments the fun moments and cherish those you know really do like go back to your work and don't forget about the work but when you have a moment to celebrate celebrate it like in full and so that was really really special so my actually my my year started with with a big bang with that and then one big thing that happened for us internally was we found a tech lead which we've been we've been looking for that person for two years and it's so difficult to find seeing we're competing with google and all these big companies you know with big salaries and we found a tech lead salifu from ghana and he joined in june and that's made a massive difference massive difference for us you know i'm no longer leading the tech team great because I can focus on other things and he has visions and we you know restructuring our code and visions on how we can make um, Sophia better and also make it easier so we've received what's happened in the last year as well one and a half years is we're receiving requests from domestic violence organizations pretty much every second week from every all around the world and we can't we can't cope with the demand we're so small we have barely any funding and so we didn't really know how to cope with that demand until Salifu joined our team and he took, you know, big weight off our shoulders and also had this vision of creating an, an impact platform, which will make a collaboration much easier. So a domestic violence organization can contact us. We partner officially with them. They get login details to this platform. This is to come. And then they can like manage everything kind of themselves. So that was a, a huge thing for us to happen um, as well. And kind of in the team spirit as well what what we've done and this is actually also for founders if you work remotely or anyone that works remotely we (laughs) i've said this on a last podcast i did two weeks ago i should get commission from spot i don't i'm not i'm not affiliated at all with this organ with this company but i i think i should be because i always mention them because it's been a game changer it's called spot and it's a virtual office and it's really a virtual office you get your avatar you have an avatar you can walk up to your team members and talk you can do like 
rock, paper, scissors, you can dance, you can eat virtual donuts. And it sounds really simple, but that a huge impact because we're completely remote. So, uh, you know, our activists, uh, we have 80 activists from all around the world that, you know, are looking for a sense of belonging because, you know, they have task-based work. But then also our team that works every day. We're in, in Greece, Senegal, Switzerland and Malaysia. So just to see them every day in the office, I can just walk up and just chat to them. So that's that's something big that happened for us as well and partnered with, you know, we also had uh, partners, new partners that joined our vision as well. We had London School of Economics who we gave the opportunity for two interns to join our team over the summer. And for me, it was very important to do so to give young professionals or young students an opportunity to kind of gain skills because I wish I had that when I was starting off. You know, nobody nobody gives you the chance uh, you have no skills. I'm like, yeah, well, where should I get the skills if I, if you don't hire me? So it was really important for me to do that. And it was very short. So I'm like, oh, you know, this is for them. This is the main thing is for them, not for us. And then they came and they just, I mean, it was mind blowing the work that they did for us. It's literally changing the way we work going forward. One was a data analyst and uh, did a whole market research and recommendations and reports and then analyze their data so that we can really improve the way Sophia works. I was absolutely not expecting that from, from a student. I mean, that's incredible. And the other one, she was a campaign intern and did a social media report and analysis and shows how we just did it. So really give, give young people, you know, the chance. They, I, believe, I believe more often than not, they will surprise you and, and really uh, do amazing things. <laughs> That's incredible. And how about the impact of the prizes that you won? So you had three this year, you mentioned already, and they're quite big ones, right? You said one of them, the EU and Switzerland is not part of the EU. <laughs> so how has that impacted your work at Spring Act? Well, the EU prize, that didn't come with, with prize money, but just, um, like I said, going there and our team being able, or part of our team being able to be reunited there and kind of recognize that recognition helps from such a big and you know such a big thing helps it's like okay what we're doing it you know it it is important it is people are recognizing it the big change just happened two weeks ago in stockholm the european investment bank winning the social innovation tournament i think that's going to be a, it's soon um so we, we don't know yet how big it's you know going to be but it's already changing and i think it's really going to be life-changing for multiple reasons um it was, a, it was a tournament, so we went to Vienna with 15 finalists and to Stockholm with the same, and, and also online training and everything. So it was a lot of effort that we put in as well. And the finalists are incredible. Like, I really, if you listen to the podcast, go on to sit2023.org and go and check out the finalists. They, I mean, you came into that room in Vienna and you're in a room of 14 other change makers literally changing the world with their innovative solutions from rollable solar panels that you can put on your balcony to tuna fish out of algaes that helps fisher communities stay in you know where they are and have a you know make a different livelihood to video games that help speech impairment to wheelchairs that you can navigate wheelchairs with a smart with smart glasses you know it's just completely different companies different challenges all so innovative and that for me was like I said, after like a very difficult start to the year, personally, really helped solidify this. I never, ever want to work in a different space ever in my life. Like it's just because it's so doom and gloom the world, it seems, if you read the news, right? And then you go into a room like that and like, oh, my God, we are completely changing the world. Just wait. So so they became a real family, uh, these people. And, and then and all these incredible projects, I would have literally been happy whoever wins like I went to Stockholm and I told my team like we can't not win because or we can't lose because 
if we win, that's amazing. We definitely need the money. It came with a hundred thousand euros. But if we don't, one of another change maker is going to win. It's just and and then we won. And I know how it is uh, to be a celebrity now. So the moment we got off that stage, I mean, the European, the president of the European Investment Bank handed us the prize, and we the second we got off the stage, just line of people like wanting to talk to us uh, one you know offering potential partnership to come to india that comes with a lot of like um investment into us to, to come to india the works uh, well, sat at the table with the swedish film star and in, head of investment companies and everything so it was really incredible and, and then just celebrating with the 15 finalists you know where they were so happy for us for win and i was a bit i'm like oh i don't know I, you know what i kind of won against you but it doesn't feel like that so it took a while to kind of settle in and since then, we get mentoring from EY. That's something that comes with the prize as well. The cash money, it's a huge thing for us, huge. Like, it's mm -hmm. such a So it comes with that that helps us next year a lot. And it comes with mentoring and it comes with opportunities from the bank as well. So I'm being invited now from the European Investment Bank to speak at the biggest tech conference in the world next month in Lisbon. They're flying me in going to speak i get a pass there there's a thousand dollars one you know that pass for that week and big giants of the tech industry are there and i'm a speaker so it's even another platform for you to yeah. gain more uh, partnerships perhaps or other opportunities even just visibility so this is why this is so important because yes it's great to talk about spring act and we love talking about what we do but every time we speak people who are impacted by domestic violence hopefully know about uh, sophia because that's the thing and, and this is something we're going to do next year as well or oh, just started now, is I've just formed a gamer advisory council. We're trying to partner with the gaming industry to, to see how we can raise awareness there because the gaming industry is in every single country in the world. There's gamers, every social class, right? And it's a tech. So that's the same with domestic violence and in every single country in the world, every social class. So how do we get to them? That's one avenue that is kind of something that we can probably hopefully easily do with collaboration with big gaming companies. So Sophia has gone a long way and has reached new heights, right? Yeah, 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 it has. Yeah, it's it not has. stopping, doesn't no, seem to no. be stopping. Oh my God, no, no, not at all. It doesn't seem to be stopping. But one thing that really helped with this boot camp and everything, it was very time intensive. So we were worried about that, but it's helped us so much because it gave us space to stop and think because there, there was no time for anything else during these boot camps. And one thing we realized is that, yes, our biggest challenge is funding, hands down, like, but we're developing a new business model in this regard. I'll talk about it as well. Then it realized that actually, actually the biggest issue is team capacity. And that, of course, funding helps team capacity, but that's our biggest issue. And having realized that already helps us change. So we're, we're doing, you know, internal changes with that as well. This prize money helps us hopefully get people on board as well. So that was really, really helpful to kind of learn that. And that's what we're doing now as well. <laughs> And I also recall that you mentioned another product. You mentioned the dots when we first spoke and you were planning to launch that last autumn, so 2022, in Senegal, right? So um, tell us about dots and how far have you come? Well, again, that's changed uh, a lot, actually. So because this big collaboration came in the autumn with uh, Translating Sophia and Animating Sophia. So we moved it to March this year and then found and went and broke her leg. And Senegal, I lived there for two years and I have a big network there as well. So it was very important for me to go there for that particular launch. So we said, oh, let's move it to June or something like that. But then the political unrest happened. Mm -hmm. So we're going to launch DOTS with Sophia in Senegal. 
Yeah, so that we want to do that together. So you'll combine that? Yeah, that's what the plan was. Uh, we definitely wanted to do it in Senegal as soon as possible, uh, also because my deputy director is Senegalese and, and everything started in Senegal. The, the technology that became DOTS started in Senegal, so that was very important for us. But then the unrest happened and it's not the time, so we, we postponed it. We will launch, but there's no date yet. And just maybe a quick reminder, DOTS, what was exactly the product about? Yeah, so DOTS is actually the forerunner of Sophia. So Sophia was developed from DOTS. DOTS is an app that connects people in vulnerable situations to the organizations that are most likely to help them. And it can be global with the right partners, but it's country by country mapping the aid system, basically. Yeah. So it sounds similar to Sophia's because we then, when the pandemic hit and domestic violence rose so drastically, we took this more broad technology and focused on survivors and added the digital save. 90% of survivors of domestic or victims of domestic violence don't report the abuse. So the shadow number of domestic violence is huge. Like we know how big the issue is, but it's even bigger. So what we've done is created a digital safe. And you can imagine one of those vaults that they have in the banks. And we've created a digital version of that. And securing it with an image password because survivors can't write down their password and use a password manager, right? Because the abuser is probably very close by. Yet it needs to be the securest place possible because you have police reports, health reports, potential evidence, passports in that digital safe. So it has to be really, really secure, but you can't use password manager. So there's a huge back and forth between tech team and the human rights team. Like, oh, tech team is fine. Just use 14 random words randomly generated. And then it's really safe. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. But then, you know, it needs to be safe. So what do we do? And so the tech team came up. We had a volunteer slash contractor. He's like back and forth a bit. Steve Phillips from the US that I actually read about in a book and then contacted him and he joined our efforts. And he's a privacy hacker. So he's, this is what he does. And so he came up with the idea of an image password. So you choose a username like any other username. And then instead of choosing a password, you choose an image. This, I have a cat. So I, you know, take an image of my cat, send it, like upload it to Sophia. Sophia then stenographically alters the image so and send it back to you from the naked eye it looks exactly the same to looks exactly the same but that specific one that she sent back to you opens your digital safe and decrypts all your files for you so it's completely anonymous and decrypted so we we don't know we can say how many digital safes there are but we don't know what is on there so that's one part and the other part is that when you then leave the digital safe Sophia rewrites your browser history. So it's completely untraceable, the digital safe that you can't find it. And so that's been launched. We just done a demo video to explain it a bit better as well. So I'm really proud of the tech team. That's really impressive. And you previously mentioned something about changing the business model. So what is the new business model? We're in, in the midst of doing this at the moment. And so we want to move to a hybrid model of an NGO and a social enterprise. We want to be spending our time on on developing and improving our products. And we're spending a lot of time fundraising and it's just, it's a frustrating process. So we want to do a model that we can be financially independent or self-sustainable. So what we're doing at the moment is, so the, since the launch of the Digital Safe and Sophia, there's just been a hell of a lot of interest in, in these two products. And this means, for example, we're in negotiations right now with UNFPA for a global partnership to roll out Sophia the UK police force has contacted us and once uh, we're looking into providing the digital safe for them that they can, the evidence sharing becomes easier. So we've become these experts on bridging the gap between tech and human rights because tech is just a completely different language. I've learned that the hard way. There's really great books you can read, like Working with Coders, for example. It just is a different world. And we've become these experts in kind of translating these worlds. And tech has such a huge potential 
to change, I mean, it's in all our lives, to change all our lives, but especially in the human rights world. And yet it's just a bit slow in that because again, you know, money and everything, tech costs. And so what we're doing is offering our services to either, for example, a big union organization from the US um, is in contact with us to build something like Sophia for domestic work- workers in South Africa. So building for NGOs to accelerate or increase their reach in places that they can't get to. Then on the other hand, so the new business model is is that one and the other is offering the digital safe as a software, as a service. So like, for example, to the police that you can, police is one and the other one is OHCHR in, in New York. I, I went to talk to them and this is where I just see the potential just limitless and it goes right into our vision of helping end global injustices through technology. So I, I met, met with someone who's in charge or is kind of the coordinator of the efforts in Haiti and Haiti where there's a broken down justice system. So statistically, there is no sexual violence, but obviously there is, and not only there is, it's rampant in with gangs. Officially, there isn't any violence in that sense because there is no police to go and report to and there's no justice system that can prosecute. So the digital safety has such a huge potential where it can be deployed into fragile contexts like this, where people can start gathering evidence when it happens, guard it there, because it's just there until you decide to take action. Once the justice system is back up and running, boom, you have all these digital safes full of evidence to go and prosecute the criminals. But I'm really excited to be doing this um, to just increase the, the impact uh, that the digital safe can have in different areas of human rights as well. Had you ever imagined to be where you are today or at least even see the potential? Because I sometimes wonder when you start something, obviously you have an idea mm-hmm. and you kind of see where you can bring it. But how do you feel being here today, looking back? Oh, it's a good moment to ask. You know, it depends on the founder's life. It depends what day you ask, what time of the day you ask. A few months ago, I would have said, oh, my God, we're in over our heads. What are we doing? Help. It really is a roller coaster. Uh, I'm so incredibly happy. Like I said, I never want to be in any other space, just the people you meet and the the impact you can have. And these awards and also these partnerships are coming knocking on our door. They came knocking on, the UN came knocking on our door. We didn't reach out to them, police as well. They came knocking on our door. And it's incredible. It's been a journey. So that's something that I, so I like to, I, I mentor young women. It can be also men, but that's out now. It's turned out it's been young women. And I just remember the point in my career that I did like a mini break with two friends and they were five, they're five years older than I am. And that's a huge difference in career. It doesn't matter in a friendship or a relationship or anything like that. Five years is not much in a career. It's huge. And it's really important to realize that because I was sitting there and one was getting to be executive level um, at Google and the other one was a high-flying lawyer. Like now, you know, the lawyer in, in Australia, she's like one of 500 like legal minds to watch. And the other one reports to the CEO of TikTok. So huge. And I'm like, how? I'm so lost. I was an intern at the time. <laughs> how do you know? Like, how did you get where you are? How did you know? I just don't know what I'm doing. Help. And now you look back at my career and you're like, well, it makes total sense that Rihanna did that, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. I was like lost at one point. And uh, in the in, same with like when I was 17, I learned I taught myself to program and started a little IT company that I did consulting and, and website programming. And it's like, fast forward like 15 years. And it's like, oh my God, yeah, of course he's a tech entrepreneur. So I started that when I was 17. And then I started another charity when I was 23. So I always tried to innovate. And then when I started Dots, um, that technology, people didn't quite understand it. Because if you live in Switzerland, well, we have a social system. You know where to go, more or less, when something happens. And in a place like Senegal, you, and, and this was specifically 
refugees as well. You just didn't know where to go. And all this support was there, but you just didn't know where to go. And I started doing that with friends here that helped out, uh, uh, like law students at the time. And they didn't quite, they're like, oh, we know, we stand behind you, Rihanna, we want to help with your vision and everything. Not quite understand what we're doing. (laughs) So, you know, they were really sweet, but it wasn't, it was so far away from their reality. So with Sophia, then we hit a nervous society. That was very quick. Before it was like, oh, what am I doing? I don't know if this is going to help or whatever. Very doubting. And then Sophia was just like, go, 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 go. But even then, I think it's changed a lot with these prizes now on such a big level. It's like, okay, people want this. There's an interest. So now you said you worked with students, you had interns as well. If you would have younger people come to you or look up to you and they say, yeah, I also want to be a founder in the tech area, combining with either human rights or anything else, probably that's not out there yet. What would you advise to them? And I'm specifically thinking as well about women founders. So what would be your advice to them? Go for it. I think if you can, in some way, try it because, you, you know, you either you you succeed and you, you're living your dreams or you don't and you learn like there's no downside to it and I mean no downside to it there is that you don't sleep just beware it's just I mean you read this everywhere and it's 100% true there is nothing harder that you're going to do in life I think than a startup I mean unless I don't have kids apparently having kids is very difficult uh, or time consuming but I saw a meme on this and it said having a startup is like having a baby you wake up multiple times a night crying (laughs) because you live and breathe for it it's your baby you want to want it to succeed you want there's always so much work to do and as a founder you have that's a big difference between being a founder ceo and a ceo i think i don't know i'm you get catapulted into this executive position as well that's also something but you have i you know i do everything from intern to I've led the communications team I've led the tech team I've led the legal team I've done intern work I've done you know everything so you have all these roles so it's very time consuming but it's just so it's your passion so definitely do something that is your like it has to be your passion because otherwise you won't put into it what it needs it needs everything so go for it if it is your passion but only if it is really your passion and you want to think and work and breathe and dream of this for the next five years 24 7 seven days a week like really only then and uh, I think my number one advice would be to really build a support network right from the beginning right from the beginning because you become a bit of a unicorn when you start a startup because probably not a lot of people in your surroundings are startup founders like my parents fair enough they're self-employed but it's completely different than a startup and it's very lonely I'm talking more about this now because I'm like, I don't feel lonely. Look at at these. I've got 80 volunteers. I've got an amazing team. My family is supportive. And only am I realizing as it goes on, it's like, I don't have anyone that is like me in my surrounding. Like, yes, the team is great, but I'm leading the team. You know, it's my decisions that then I have to be accountable for. All my peers, my friends, they haven't, you know, if you... I'm catapulted into CEO position. I don't have CEO friends. I wish I did because I can like, how do you do this? I mean, we've had HR issues that are, are huge, you know, huge HR things that I didn't have to deal with. And it's really helpful to get the advice from, from my team and, and, and my surroundings. 100% really, really important. But I then have to make that decision and how, you know, and it's, that is tough. So I've, what I've done now is, is founded a impact founder group that we kind of, it's like a support group yeah. for founders because it's just we deal with a different reality. And so to kind of, and so this is why this SIT they've become a family the social innovation tournament of the european investment bank have become so close because it's like oh 
They're working in the impact field, which is also rare because it's very often like money and, and co company and investors and stuff like that, which we also have, but different. And, and then this being a founder. So support network is so important. And then read. I've got so I can give you. I should actually, people are asking me to, I might put that on the website somewhere. Uh, books. I'm just looking at my bookcase. There's so many brilliant books to read. And I just read, 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 read to, to deal with these different things. Well, thank you so much, Yannan. It's been an really absolute pleasure. And I'm really happy that our paths crossed. And like you said, I mean, for me, it's also very important. You mentioned very early in this recording that, you know, it's all doom and gloom. But then so many great people doing great things as well. And let's not forget to speak about that. So that's the whole purpose of the podcast. There's more good than bad in the world. It's just it the is. bad gets in the news and the good doesn't. to admire Rihanna's entrepreneurial endeavors and her team's work combining human rights and technology to create tools empowering individuals in vulnerable situations. If you wish to support Spring Act, simply head over to their website at springact.org. You will also find the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I appreciate you taking the time. That was episode 62, a new conversation with Rihanna Spring, on empowering action through innovative technology. Join me again in two weeks. We'll shift gears to talk about eliminating period poverty. And this time we will have a new guest, Ira Guha. Make sure you leave us a review everywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, remember to share our podcast with a friend, a colleague, or even a family member. You can also connect with us through our website, at narratives-of-purpose.podcastpage.io or send us an email. The address is narrativespodcast at gmail.com. All the links are available in the show notes. Until the next episode, take care of yourselves, stay well and stay inspired. Mm -hmm.